Praise God, what a blessing. They should just do it the rest of the service. I don't need to be up here. That's just awesome. Just love kids and their energy. Uh, we are finishing an <clears throat> eight-week series today, and today is the last one called The Church, What Are We? And if you look at the top of your notes, uh, we'll see the series and where it has, has gone. We are the bride of Christ. This is what we are, and it's a picture of our relationship with God. Uh, we are a new humanity, a picture of a culture, and we are... God's field, which would be a picture of the method of how God grows his kingdom. We are the family of God, which is a picture of our position. We are a flock, which is a picture of our mentality. We are the body of Christ, a picture of how we function. And we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is a picture of our identity. These are metaphorical statements that are just mentioned in Scripture, and they come with so much meat because it gives us a picture of what we look like and how we function. These are the metaphorical statements we've gone over, and the last one we're going to focus on today is we are the light of the world, which is a picture of our mission. I spend 25 to 30 hours a week just studying and preparing for my discipleship class and also preparing to preach the sermon. Lots of time and study comes into this time of preaching the sermon, but what's my goal? What's my focus What kind of outcome would I want to have as a result of preaching? Somebody asked me that one time. He says, well, should you challenge people? Should you educate people? Um, Are you up there to teach people? What are you up here for, and why are you preaching? Came to the conclusion, I'm up here for only one reason, and that's to light you up. (laughs) That's to light you on fire. What what does that mean? That means if you walk in not happy... (laughs) My joy is to make you happy. After you walk out, to be happy. If you're filled with guilt, <laughs> that's my goal. To, you walk out and that guilt is completely wiped away and there's freedom. If you live in a life where you, I have no peace in my life, I have no rest, my situations and my circumstances are weighing me down and life is horrible. The goal of sermon would be to walk out and say there's life beyond this life. To walk out with that peace, that rest, that contentment, that energy. To walk out with zeal. To walk out with value. To walk out with purpose. That's the reason why I study. That's the reason why I try to understand the Word. Why? Because my job is to light people up. And it's the same job that He's given you. Matthew five fourteen. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. Number two, the fundamental principle of Christianity is to be what God is, and God is light. One thing about light is that you cannot generate light yourself. There always has to come from a source. Um, And we are starving for light, we're starving for happiness, we're starving for joy, we're starving for excitement, we're starving for peace, we're starving for rest. We are starving from that because that's created in us. And we don't have it, and we want it, so we're starving for it. So what do we do? We spend our entire life seeking it, trying to find something that will give us this light that we so strongly desire. What kind of sources do we go to? Often we go to money. I just am not happy. I am not excited. I'm not full of joy. Is there something out there that will turn my light on? Maybe it's money. Maybe it's fame. You know, if I could just be on top of the world and everybody would look at me and everybody give me this gratification, everybody give me this excitement, if I could just be that person, my light would turn on. Maybe it's fame. Maybe it's appearance. Maybe it's power. Maybe it's family. We are consistently exploring 
in this life, every single one of us, something that will turn our light on because we know for a fact that we cannot generate that light ourselves. We know for a fact that we cannot pull ourselves into isolation and make that light generate from our mind and all of a sudden touch our emotions and then come out of our life. We know that. Simple fact. John 8, 12, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Jesus just claimed something. He says, I am the light of the world. And whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. What is that verse saying? That verse is saying that you need a source, and there is a source that you will never have to walk in darkness. And what is that source? It's completely claimed. I, which is Jesus, am the light of life. Walk in me and you will not have the darkness and you will have the light that you're looking for, the light of life that you're desiring for. You cannot generate generate it yourself, but there is a God that will generate it that says you will never walk in darkness if you take it. 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God said, Let light shine out of darkness. Made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Well, that's pretty amazing. He is our source. But how does he light us up? How does God light us up? How does he turn our light on? Let's look at light. Talking about light, not talking about even Christ specifically first, but let's just talk about light. Number one, light brings what? Life. We know that. We know that. Why? Because if the sun turned out, what would take place? If the sun turned if the sun went out, no more plants would grow. If the sun went out, our entire food chain would be destroyed. If the sun went out, we would not survive very long. Light, sun brings energy. It also brings some other things. Did you know that that sun, light, takes away your stress? Light improves your sleep. Light actually treats you from depression. Light brings warmth. Light provides precipitation. If there's no precipitation, everything in this channel will completely, everything in this world will completely go. Light brings happiness. When the sun is gone, we have no other means to survive. When Christ has given us scripture, he says, I want to give you something that, I can, that you would understand. You understand what the sun provides for you to be able to sustain on this earth. And then he claims it for himself. I am the light of the world. And then he claims something else. I am the light of life. Those two are the exact same statement. I am the light and what? I am the life. What do you mean God is the light? This is what it means that God is the life. There's a God that loves you so much that he left heaven. He came to earth and lived a perfect life. A life that you could not live. A life that inside with this sin is even destroying you. A life that you could not live. And then he says, what I'll do is I will die in their place. And then I will raise again so salvation can be theirs. We are dead in our sins. We are dead in our trespasses. We are dead in our lives. Why? Because sin is inside of us. Christ came and says, I'm going to give them life. And I will take their sin, I will put it on my shoulders, and I put it on my shoulders, then they would be able to what? They would be able to live. Live what? Now and also for eternity. What do you mean now? What do you mean I'd live now? Well, see, when Jesus took my sin, he didn't only take my sin, he took the guilt of my sin. 
He took the history of my sin. History of my sin? What do you mean the history of my sin? All the sins that I committed in the past that continue to come up and haunt me, all the ones that give me shame, all the ones that come back and destroy me and make me feel like a loser, make me feel like I'm somebody that is not worth anything. God says, I've come, and I'll die for that sin as well, and I'll wash it completely away. I come, and I will die for the guilt that you feel. I will come, and I will die, and I will make you clean, completely clean. What is that? That is life. That is freedom. That is peace. That is rest. That is salvation. John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the life. I am the light, and I am the life. Meaning, I am the only source that can take you beyond every situation. I am the only source that can take you beyond every circumstances. I am the only source that can take you... That when you're on your deathbed and when you have no more hope, I'm the source that can give you that hope. What about light? Light provides truth. What do you mean, light provides truth? Does light really provide truth? Um, It does, because we put a Christmas tree in our house, and when we put a Christmas tree in our house, we had to readjust furniture. And one of the areas that we readjusted furniture is our end table went into our bedroom right right in front of our bed. Now, in nighttime, you know, I wake up to go to the bathroom, or if I just wake up and I don't turn any lights on, all I need to do is walk around the house because I know my house. But I will tell you, I have kicked that table 20 times since it's been in there. And every time, you all right? Yeah, I'm all right. If the light was on, the truth of it being there would be provided. But the light's not on, and I'm not used to it. But if I can see it, truth is there. Went rafting down the Grand Canyon in 2012. It was an 18-day trip. And one of the guys I went with said, hey, I hear there's scorpions on the trip. And I'm like, oh, really? He goes, well, what's gonna fi- we're going to find some. I'm going to bring this scorpion light. And what a scorpion light is, is it is a flashlight that is fluorescent. So if you shine it into the woods, the scorpions shine fluorescent everywhere. It's just, you know, you can be able to see the scorpions very clear. So that scorpion light was with us on day one, day two, day three, um, it was with us on day 17, and we never used it. However, we were getting into our raft, and I take my sleeping bag, and I get it all ready to go, and I found a scorpion next to my sleeping bag on top of my sleeping bag. And I go, whoa, how many scorpions are out here? So, of course, we caught that one, and we killed it. But that night, we turned on that fluorescent, fluorescent scorpion light. And uh, when we did... They were everywhere. <laughs> they, were, they were shining everywhere. And we have been on this river for 17 days, surrounded by this many scorpions. I really didn't want to know that truth. <laughs> and the truth came to life when the light was turned on. When the light comes on, you, what are you going to see? You're going to see full truth. Who claims this? Jesus claims it. I am the light of the world. He also claims, I am the truth. I am the truth. You hear us many times say, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to read your Bible, you've got to read your Bible. Why do you, we well, encourage you to read your Bible all the time. Read your Bible every day. You hear that from D, you hear that from me. Read your Bible every day. Why would you, hear, why would you do that? It's because you need to know some truth. Here's some truth you need to know. You need to know that you're loved. You need to know that you're valued. You need to know that you're cared for. You need to know that you're rich. (laughs) You do. Rich in Christ. 
rich in eternity. You need to know that you're free. You need to know that you're saved, no matter what your situation. You need to know your purpose. You need to know your mission. And when you open up the Bibles, what are you going to get? You're going to get truth that will explain to you everything you need to know. Because God claims, I'm the light of the world, and I'm also the light of life, and I'm also the light of truth. This is what I will give you. Remember, we're all looking for sources. Every one of us is looking for sources. Christ is claiming himself as the source. What else does light do? Light reveals beauty. We never see the sun. We just look at everything through the sun. Um, If light is not enjoyable at all, if you're going to say, let's go look at to the light, and you sit there and you look at the sun, it's just, it's just, it's, 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 it's too much. It's too overwhelming. But everything we see is a result of the sun reflecting off it. In other words, the sun moves into the mountains, the sun moves into this world, and when it moves into this world, it reflects back to our retina, and it goes, and we see what is in front of us. It is a reflection of beauty. I hiked the Pacific Crest Trail, part of the Pacific Crest Trail this last summer, and uh, Mount Jefferson, Mount Rainier. I cannot describe to you of my one spot that I was standing with both of them in my face on each side. What is doing? Light is reflecting beauty. Light is showing me something that is out there. Light is giving me a revelation of something that is absolutely amazing. Christ claims it. Hebrews 1, 3, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being. You look at Jesus, you look at God. He's claiming it. Light reveals beauty, and if you look at Christ, you're going to see something that you've never seen before. You're going to see the creator of the universe. You're going to see the sustainer of the universe. Not in form, you're just looking at the universe and saying, there is a God that has done some amazing handiwork. There is a God that has a mind that is completely, completely, completely beyond mind that I cannot understand. Now, we like to say, no, it's mind's not beyond mind. Therefore, we can figure out through science that he doesn't exist. But what? There's a light. He's claiming it. Look at creation. Look at my handiwork. Look at my love. Look at my commitment. Look at my character. Go to the Word. He's going to give you this beauty. That's why you open it up and you look at it and say, God, I am, he is the light of life. What do you have to offer? And you look in the word and you see what he has to offer. You see him. John answered, on John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. To summarize that verse, or actually to rewrite that verse, just put down, I am the light of the world. Because those are the two same things. If he's the light of the world, what's he doing? He's coming to light the world up. Number three, the world does not read the Bible. The world reads Christians. Beginning of the sermon, you heard that uh, we are the light of the world. And then Christ claims that I am the light of the world. What does that mean? That means that our light cannot be generated by ourselves. Our light must be generated by God. So therefore, if our light is generated by God and he is our light, the world is going to see something about us that is completely different. They're going to see something about us that is alive, something about us that has a purpose, something about us that gives us a joy in spite of our situations and circumstances, something about us that has filled us where our cup is overflowing. Joe Aldridge says, the best argument for Christianity is Christians. Their joy, their certainty, their completeness, 
But the strongest argument against Christianity is also Christians. When they are somber and joyless, then they are self-righteous and smug and complacent. When they are narrow and and repressive, then Christianity then dies a thousand deaths. Christ is the light of the world. And he's transferred us as I will live in you. And therefore, when you go into your jobs, when you go into your communities, when you go into your, your church, you're supposed to have that light. The light of joy, what? The light of excitement, the light of energy, the light of salvation that God has given us. And that's God's direction of shining to the world. Acts 4, 13, 47. For this is what the Lord has commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. D.L. Moody says... We are told to let our light shine. And if it does, we won't need to tell anybody it does. Lighthouses don't fire cannons to call attention on their shining. They just shine. Meaning the world would see Christ, would see God, if our light would just shine. Number four, the world does not listen to our answer. The world observes our actions. We have an awesome message. The message is love. The message is forgiveness. The message is sacrifice. The message is peace. The message is selflessness, kindness, patience, and it's all been given to us. And it's been given to us for a purpose. And do you know what that purpose is? The purpose is to give it to others. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and then do what? Praise, not you, but praise the Father in heaven for what you are doing. When our good deeds come out, they do not see us. They see Christ in us. Number five, if the light of Christ has not touched us, it will never touch them. This allows us to start asking a question. Is it salvation is mine? Salvation has been given to me. What is that salvation? It brings rest. It brings joy. It brings peace. It brings happiness. It brings everything I need as a person. Salvation of Christ brings everything I need as a person. And if that has not touched the core of my life or touched the core of my being, it's not going to touch my children. It's not going to touch my coworkers. It's not going to touch people in my church. It's not going to touch anybody if it hasn't touched us. God desperately wants to turn your light on. He is the light that wants to work through you so the world will be able to see him through you. Isaiah 60, 1 through 5, Arise, shine, and your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Assemble and come to you. Your sons come from afar, and your daughters are carried on the arm. Then you will look and be radiant. Your heart will throb and then swell with joy. Pretty exciting sermon in the sense that God is the light of the world. But when we hear the words, God is the light of the world, we start to evaluate ourselves. Is my, is my light on? And as you're evaluating yourself, is my light on? And, and I will tell you that Everybody, believers or not, would say it's not on bright enough. Or it's not on at all as we evaluate. But then it leads us to another question. If our light is not on, or if our light is not bright enough, then how do you turn the light on? 
I mean, I want to leave and I want to be excited about God. I want to know who God is and I want to come out with joy, peace, happiness beyond all situations and circumstances. How do you do it? Give me an explanation. Give me a one-liner of how to turn your light on for Christ. Here's the challenge. To turn your light on, what do you need to do? You need to worship Christ. Jesus is the one and only master that will not eat you alive. Jesus is the one and only master that will not eat you alive. Remember that you cannot generate a light from another source. And the other sources are your masters. Let me give you an example. If your master is money, money will eat you alive. You will never have enough if, it's your ma- if that's your master. You will never, you'll be completely ruled by it. You will sacrifice absolutely everything to get it, whether it's your children whether it's your family, you'll take all your time and devote yourself to it and sacrifice your reputation just to make sure that you have it. And then when you get to the end of the life, you're going to what? Hate yourself. Why? Because money is designed to eat you alive. But what's in our mind? No, money is designed to light us up. But is it? It doesn't light us up. If you look at the whole picture, it does nothing but eat you. gives you a weight that you don't even want to carry. Master of your parents does nothing but eat you alive. How does that work? You'll always feel ugly. If your master is, I want to look good, I want to look beautiful, I want to look strong, you will always feel ugly. You'll feel like everyone is watching you. When you walk into a room, you'll start measuring everybody up, and everybody else will be short, as you believe that you're short too, because you are taking your appearance and your beauty and say, this is my master. And as we take it and we worship it as our master, it does nothing but literally ruin us. Nothing but eat us alive. If your master has power, you will fail. You'll always end up feeling weak. You'll never feel strong enough. If your master has power, you'll always feel astrayed. You'll put others down because if you can put others down, it does nothing but increase your, pastor, your power. You are worshiping something that you think will light your light up if you take a hold of it, but it does nothing but destroy you and eat you alive. If you master your intellect, you know what you're going to always do? You're going to always feel stupid. You always feel like a fraud. You're always worried that someday somebody's going to find you out and look at you and say, well, you're not as smart as I thought you were. If you make that your ultimate master, your ultimate identity, the ultimate thing you worship, you will come up short and I can guarantee no light will be on. No light will be on. You'll think, well, no, it is. It's it's lighting me up. It's not. It's destroying you. Jesus is the only master, the only master that will light you up. Is the only master that if you grab a hold of him, you can be lit up now and for eternity. The reason why Jesus is the only master that will not eat you alive is because he is the only master that will do what? He's the only master that will forgive you. He's the only master that will have mercy on you. He's the only master that will give you the peace that you need and the rest. What do you mean he's the only master that will give you peace? Well, does money forgive you? <laughs> if money is your master, is it going to give you forgiveness? I remember a conversation I had with somebody I'll never forget. This person had more money than I could ever dream about. Um, millions upon millions upon millions. Lots, lots of money. And uh, he was an older man. And the conversation I had with him, he said, it split my family apart. 
My children are now waiting for me to die so they can receive an inheritance. I have never been looked at as somebody with my character and me as a person, but rather somebody who has money and hopes that they can get some of it. He said, money has literally destroyed me. And when I'm walking towards the end of my life, I found out that it hasn't forgiven me at all. When you're at the end, people in their deathbed are not saying, please take my money and put all my money on my bed because I want to see it before I die. No, money does not forgive you. Your body, your appearance does not forgive you. I mean, I think that's an obvious. When I got married, my uh, father-in-law told my wife that don't marry him because of his chest because it will fall. (laughs) The mirror judges you. The mirror does not bless you. The mirror curses you. The mirror does not give you something you can walk out and say, I finally have joy. But yet we think if we could just have that amazing appearance, then our light would be turned on. Then I would be this full of joy, full of happiness, full of rest. But appearance doesn't forgive you. Your body will never forgive you. Look at the plastic surgeries that many people have had. It literally destroyed their face because they think if I can have it, it will give me happiness. It will give me peace. It will give me rest. You will die a thousand deaths before you die one if you believe your appearance is a thing that will light you up. Power doesn't forgive you. Some people roll over and die after they retire. They walk in their jobs and they're the CEO of the company and they say, this is my master, this is my God, this is what I worship, this is the one source that lights me up and all those years it's lighting you up so you think and then what happens, you retire. And when you retire, you roll over and die. Why? Because it doesn't forgive you. It doesn't care about you. Fame does not forgive you. Fame does not care about you. Yet we think it will light us up. If I could just be famous, but what happens with fame? Fame takes you to the top and when fame takes you to the top, well, now I'm done playing basketball. Does any people recognize me anymore? Does anybody see me anymore? Does anybody notice me anymore? And how many thousands of people have now replaced me because now I'm done? Yes, you might be at the top of the ladder when you're at the top, but the second you retire, it's all gone, and then you have to live with it. I often think that I sure hope I don't have to live, which would be nice not to have to live with being way up here and the rest of my life being way down here because what are you going to bring? Complete judgment on yourself. It doesn't forgive you. Christ is the only one that will forgive you. He'll take you as you are. He'll always be there. He'll hold you for eternity. And when you're on your deathbed, he will say, I am yours and I will take you in. There's only one master that can light you up. There's only one master that can light you up. And the way to do it is to worship him. Yes, when we preach a sermon, the job is to give you peace, rest, freedom. The job is to give you Christ. Psalms 115, 1 through 8. Not to us, O Lord, not to us, be to your name of the glory, because of your love and faithfulness. Why do the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases, but their gods are silver and gold, made by the hands of men. They have mouths, but they cannot speak, eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but they cannot hear, noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, feet, but they cannot walk, nor can they utter sound with their throats. Those who make them will be like them, 
and so will all those who trust in them. And to rephrase at the end, those who love Christ, who walk with Christ, will be like them, and those who trust in them will be alive by him. Everything else leaves you empty-handed. Seven, don't ask for deceitful riches or the good things of this world, nor the temporary honors. Ask for light. Ask for Christ. That is called salvation. Salvation is literally saying, God, I'm asking for you. I'm asking for you to be my my master. I'm asking for you to be my king. I'm asking you to be my light. And for the rest of my life, I will worship you with a purpose of you lighting me on fire as a source of light that I need. Father, we just thank you, God, for coming. God, you have given us so much, God, and, uh, and you want what you have given us to shine in our lives. You want us to have peace. You want us to have rest. You want us to have joy. You want us to have salvation. God, why do we reject it? Why do we try to find it from another source? Why do we believe another source will give it to us? God, I just pray that you would soften us, you would open our hearts, you would open our mind to your beauty and to your glory, and that we would embrace you as King of kings, Lord of lords. God, we need a master because we're ruled by something. God, as we're looking for a master, as we are striving for a master, I pray that that master would be you and that we'd never forget it. In Christ's name, amen.